turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Jesus did not believe that man evolved over millions and millions and millions of years. I like to point this out. If you believe that man evolved over millions and millions of years and was not created in the image and likeness of God, and that Adam was not the first man, you have a different view on creation and where man came from than Jesus Christ does. And oh, by the way, in Colossians, it says that all things were created by Jesus. He was there. You weren't. Great point. In today's message, Pastor Dan reminds us that Jesus witnessed the Earth's creation, so we can trust his testimony of the event. Jesus declares that Adam and Eve were real people and were created by God. They didn't evolve over millions of years. They weren't part of a story made up by man to explain the existence of mankind. Since Jesus doesn't lie, creation is the truth and evolution the fairy tale. Let's remember that Jesus didn't believe in evolution and neither should we. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew chapter 19 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Now, because we study verse by verse through the Bible, we don't skip anything. And so Matthew 19 just happens to be the next chapter that we're in. It's not an apology. It's just a statement of fact, okay? Verse 1 says, Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished these sayings, that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And they said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced, commits adultery. His disciples said to him, If such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, all cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb, 
and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. And then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray, but the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. The first time I taught through the gospel of Matthew was in the first year of our church. And we had about eight people in the church. I remember the Sunday I taught through this passage because we had two visitors that came. Which you notice that when you've only got eight people, you know. It's like a revival broke out, you know. And I, I read the passage just like I did with you. And when I said, you may be seated, I watched the couple look at each other, and they got up and walked out. And I thought to myself, 20% of our congregation just walked out. Give me a chance to offend you. I just read it. So Jesus just taught on forgiveness in chapter 18. And now he leaves the Galilee for the last time. And he begins his journey to Jerusalem and the cross. He will return to Galilee after the resurrection to meet with the disciples there. But now he departs for the last time before the cross. Jesus grew up in Galilee. Nazareth is in Galilee. Most of his ministry was in the Galilee. He did most of his miracles, most of his teachings there in and around the Galilee. He lived in Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee for the three years of his his ministry. And now he leaves it all behind for Jerusalem and the cross. You know, Jesus was both God and man. He was human and felt human emotions. And I read this and I wonder what was it like for Jesus to leave the Galilee? after everything that has happened there and all of the ministry, and to leave the Galilee now for the last time. Luke chapter 9, verse 51 says, Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. So now it's time. It's time to go to the cross. This is the reason he came. And so he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Isaiah 50, verse 7 says, He set his face like flint. He's going to go through this. He's going to endure the cross. And he sets his face like flint to go to the cross, to die for your sins and mine. He goes to Jerusalem at the time of Passover. So Passover is approaching. Jesus was crucified on Passover. Jesus is described as our Passover by the Apostle Paul. He's the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. This is why he came. And verse 1 tells us that Jesus came into the region of Judea beyond Jordan. That's a location, a geographic region, Judea beyond Jordan. He's traveling toward Jerusalem along a road that ran parallel to the Jordan River Valley. There's a highway that runs along that same stretch still today. And so he's traveling this way along the Jordan Valley. And some commentaries say, and maybe you've heard this, Some commentaries say that Jesus and his disciples traveled through the region of Judea beyond Jordan to avoid going through Samaria. Sometimes you'll read that in commentaries that the Jewish people uh, didn't pass through Samaria. They went around Samaria, and that's actually not true. Uh, There's several examples just in the Gospels of Jesus traveling through Samaria. The Jews did travel through Samaria. The road that he's on here that went through Judea beyond Jordan was actually just easier to travel. They traveled on foot, and Samaria is mountainous. 
Uh, this is just a, an easier way to go. There's less mountains traveling along the edge of that Jordan River Valley. And so verse 2 says, And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. So the Jewish people are, are all traveling now to Jerusalem, on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So you have these large groups of people from every village and town making this pilgrimage together. And so there were great multitudes following Jesus to Jerusalem. As they went, Jesus healed many of them that were sick. Mark's account says he also taught the multitudes. So even as he's on his way to the cross, he's still ministering to people. He's still healing. He's still teaching people about the kingdom of heaven. And then verse 3 says, Then Pharisees also came to him, testing him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? So these Pharisees, they come to Jesus with this question, but they're testing him. Their question was not sincere. They're trying to trap him with this question about divorce. Remember, long before this, the religious leaders rejected Jesus as their Messiah. They've been actively plotting how they might kill him, do away with him. Meanwhile, Jesus's popularity was growing among the common people. And the Pharisees asked this question about divorce. And the question was not, is divorce permissible? The question was, for what cause is divorce permissible? Divorce was permissible. That's not the question. The debate was over on what grounds was divorce permissible. Now, at that time within Judaism, there were two camps regarding divorce. There was one camp that said a person could divorce over any reason at all. The other camp said divorce was permissible only in the case of sexual immorality within the marriage. And this whole debate stemmed from one word in one verse in the Old Testament law and how that one word was interpreted. If you're taking notes, you can jot down Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. That's the verse here that is causing this controversy. And it says in Deuteronomy 24, 1, you don't have to turn there. It says, if a husband finds some uncleanness in his wife, he can divorce her. And so the debate was over that one word, uncleanness. What does that word mean? If uncleanness is the cause, the grounds for divorce, then what exactly does that word mean? And the word, it's a Hebrew word uh, there. It's a very broad term in Hebrew. And so one camp said that word uncleanness, it refers to sexual uncleanness only, while this other camp said, well, it can refer to anything. And you can divorce for any reason you come up with. I just like today in our culture, we have irreconcilable differences, right? Now, the New Living Translation of this verse, Deuteronomy 24.1, listen to this. This is how the New Living Translation translates it. If he discovers something wrong with her, he can divorce her. It's a pretty low bar, right? <laughs> if you find something wrong with her, Something about her you just don't like, you could divorce your wife. How difficult is it for you to find something wrong with your spouse or for your spouse to find something wrong with you? Again, that's a real low bar if that's the standard. 
And aren't you glad that love covers a multitude of sins, right? I think that's one of the most beautiful things about marriage is just the grace and acceptance that you and your spouse extend to each other. Who else would put up with you, right? And your nonsense. Now, this view that you can divorce for really just anything at all, for any reason at all, this was by far the more popular view in society. And so there are examples in Jewish writings from the time of men divorcing their wife because she burned dinner. There's examples of men divorcing their wife because she wasn't as pretty as other women. Right? Anything at all that you could come up with, anything that you dislike, you know, even if your wife is less attractive than some other woman. In some cases, Jewish men divorced and remarried multiple times because of this. Just think about marriage. Any time you hit a conflict in the marriage, if you have this easy out, you know, this no-fault divorce, you can just divorce her. So you had men in that society who divorced and remarried multiple times. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. The Pharisees now testing Jesus, they ask him, well, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? That's the popular view. That's what most people believe, that you could divorce for just any reason. And they're trying to get Jesus to state his position on this debated topic. Again, they're trying to trap him here. And they may have also asked Jesus this question because of where they were geographically. Remember, whenever you read any detail in the Bible, God has put that there on purpose. He's not just sharing just random information with you. And so you want to ask, why did he tell me that? Why why does God tell us that he is in Judea beyond the Jordan? And now they're asking him a question publicly about his opinion on divorce. Well, that area where they're located was ruled by Herod Antipas. And Herod Antipas is the Herod who imprisoned and beheaded John the Baptist. Remember why John the Baptist was beheaded? Because he publicly condemned Herod for divorcing his wife and marrying Herodias. And that cost John his head. And so the Pharisees may be trying to force Jesus to publicly state his position on divorce here so that they can go to Herod Antipas and tell Herod Antipas, hoping Herod will do the same thing to Jesus that he did to John the Baptist. Jesus responds in verse 4. Now look at his answer here. It's so wonderful. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, 
let no man separate. Jesus begins his answer by saying, have you not read? Now, these are Pharisees. They have memorized the Bible. So Jesus here, by saying this, he's actually, he's taking a dig on them. Here, they're trying to trap him publicly, and he comes right back at them and humiliates them publicly, saying, well, have you not read? It's like saying, have you not read the Bible? Now, note here, and this is important, the way that Jesus answered this question, they question Jesus about divorce, and Jesus takes them to the word of God. You should always, always get your answers from the word of God. Not the opinions of men, but what does the Bible say? And when someone asks you a question, take them to the scriptures. Take them to the scriptures. Look what Jesus says here. He says, let's go back and look at the first marriage. Let's go back and look at the first marriage and see what God intended for marriage. When he created it, the question should not be when is divorce permissible or for what cause can you get divorced? The question really should be, well, what did God intend for marriage when he created it? What did God intend? What's his purpose for marriage? In a marriage relationship, it's always good to go back and look at what God says in his word about marriage. What does God say in his word to the husbands? What does God say in his word to the wives? It's good to be reminded of those things. It's good to go back and look at those verses again. and Remind yourself of what you're called to. And and then to ask the Lord to search your heart and show you where you're falling short. And what God has called you to be as a husband or as a wife. And Jesus takes them back to the first marriage. He takes them back to. The first two chapters of the Bible, Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two and the creation of Adam and Eve. Now, Jesus believed the Genesis account of creation. He believed that there was a literal historical Adam and Eve who were created in the image and likeness of God. Look at verse four again. And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? Adam and Eve were made by God. They were created is the idea here. And Jesus says, note this, they were created at the beginning, at the beginning of his creation. On the sixth day, they were created. Jesus did not believe that man evolved over millions and millions and millions of years. I like to point this out. If you believe that man evolved over millions and millions of years and was not created in the image and likeness of God and that Adam was not the first man, you have a different view on creation and where man came from than Jesus Christ does. And oh, by the way, in Colossians, it says that all things were created by Jesus. He was there. You weren't. And note also, it says that God created them Male and female. God created mankind with only two genders. And God decides the gender of each person. Never thought I'd have to say that. And there's a reason, as we see in the marriage relationship, we see that there's a reason God designed mankind male and female. He says in verse 5, For this reason... 
a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined, note that we're joined, to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 6, so then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And we see here in the Genesis story that God created marriage. Marriage, marriage is the only thing that we have still today from the Garden of Eden. It's the only thing that we still have from the Garden of Eden. And a husband and wife are joined together in marriage. That word joined there, it means literally to be glued together. If you've ever done any woodworking, like when you glue two boards together and make them one board, they are no longer two individual people. A man and a woman are joined together, glued together in marriage. They're no longer two individuals now. They become one flesh. They're one. Now, back in the Genesis account, if you remember, with each day of creation, God would say, and it was good. Everything he created each day, it was good. It was good. And when he created man on the sixth day, God said, it's very good. Man was the pinnacle of God's creation. But then when God saw that man was without a wife, God said, it's not good. That's the first time that God says something's not good in his creation. It's not good for man to be alone. And so God created Eve for Adam and created Eve out of Adam's side. And then the two were joined together as husband and wife. And the two became one flesh. Man is made in the image of God. Both man and woman are made in the image and likeness of God. And just as the Godhead is made of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a triune God. Man is also a triune being, made of spirit, soul, and and body, or spirit, soul, and flesh. And when a man and a woman, as husband and wife, are joined together as husband and wife, they become one flesh. It doesn't say a husband and wife become one spirit, because that's not how they're joined together as one. He doesn't say they become one soul. Because that's not how they're joined together. They become one flesh. They are joined together through their flesh. God designed the male and female bodies to physically become one flesh together. Two men can't become one flesh. Two women can't become one flesh. Only a male and female can be joined together physically as one flesh by design. This is how a husband and wife become One, not through the soul, not through the spirit, but through the flesh. And so then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And here's what Jesus is saying. He goes all the way back to the first marriage that God created. And he says here, essentially, and God's original design for marriage, divorce wasn't an option. Divorce wasn't part of that. If you think about it, there were no other people on the face of the earth for Adam and Eve to marry. Adam and Eve had to stay together in the marriage. And fortunately for Adam, Eve was the most wonderful girl he had ever met. She's the only girl. You know that Adam didn't wrestle with, is she the right one? I don't know. So Jesus takes us back to the first marriage. And he shows us God's original design for marriage was for the marriage relationship to be 
a permanent relationship between a man and woman for life. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Currently, Pastor Dan is teaching through the book of Matthew, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. This is a book that may cause you to be curious about the history before and also what comes after. If you're wondering about something you heard today, would you give us a call? Our number is 410-491-4592. We'd be happy to talk with you about anything you heard today or to hear about how these messages are impacting your life. We'd also love to know about any prayer requests you might have. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. Would you be willing to pray for the ministry of Ring of Truth? So many listeners may be hearing life-giving scripture they might not hear elsewhere. What an opportunity to reach people who are lost and without hope in the world. We'd be grateful for your prayers as the word is going out through these messages. If you'd like some specifics, we'd ask that you pray that lives would be changed and that God's kingdom would have more and more souls join Him because of the truth of His Word. Thanks so much for listening today and for praying. If you'd like to hear more messages like this one, we encourage you to go to calvaryec.com. Next time, Pastor Dan will continue on in the book of Matthew, right here on Ring of Truth. Rings true.